So there's four characters in there that are very relatable because they make decisions the way that people relate to. And so I'll just briefly go over them in regards to subject lines. But the the character that you're referring to is the Homers. So the Homers are the fun-loving decision makers. They're like, oh, she sounds fun and funny. I want to open this email. Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. If you are listening to this the day that this comes out, it is Friday. It is the day after Thanksgiving. You probably still have some Thanksgiving leftovers in the refrigerator, and you're probably counting down the minutes before lunchtime when you can have those leftovers. At least that's what I did every Thanksgiving (laughs) whenever I was in the United States. On a more serious note, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates and to those who do not celebrate. Also, happy Thanksgiving. In my family, we use Thanksgiving to just share how grateful we are for the people around us, the family we have, you know, just whatever we're grateful for. And for me today, that is you. Like I said, I it has been a while since I have been on this mic. I thought I was taking a little bit of a break for myself. I mentioned in the last episode that I didn't get very much of a break. However, what I did realize in my time away is that this is one of my favorite ways to connect with people. And so I was so grateful for your messages and asking when we record a new episode. And I just every year feel more and more grateful grateful for the community around me. So if you are listening, you are inside of that community. I have so much love for you. And I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being in my life. Okay. Now, before I get all emotional, (laughs) let's dive into the conversation of the day because we have Sage on the pod. And I have to say, I just loved this conversation. Not only was it my first podcast chat in a while, but we had a very important conversation about your email list and increasing your email open rate. We talked about how to come up with content that makes sales and builds relationships. And I love this part of the chat because I found it so interesting to hear how she uses The Simpsons to make her content decisions. I was like, ooh, this is genius. So I can't wait for you to hear that part of the chat. We also talked about why we should even care about our email rate. And you know what? There's an even bigger reason that this is important that I'm not sure that I was totally aware of. She makes such a good argument for why your email open rate is of top importance. And I'm going to give a little bit of like background around this. A lot of people tend to really focus on how many people are on their email list more so than how many people are opening their emails. And this is costing you money. This is costing you time. This is costing you headache. And she really walks us through why that is the case. So I loved that part of the conversation. We also talked about what your email open rate should be. Like what should you even be aiming for? And finally, and most importantly, how to scrub your list, which is basically removing the people who are not active on your list, how to do that strategically, why you should be doing that, plus her exact formula for doing, which is just ooh, so juicy. And you're never going to believe it, but that's not even all we talk about. We go into even more areas of email as well as just how she has built her business and takes like months off every single year, which again, I was also very wide-eyed about. So it's a great episode. Sage is freaking awesome. She knows her stuff and she has an incredible gift to help you strategically scrub your list this week. She even gives you templates to use and really walks you through how to do it. So you're going to find that inside of the show notes and she's also going to talk about it inside of the episode as well. So don't forget to grab that because it's definitely going to be handy. So thank you again for being here, especially if you are listening over your holiday weekend. I'm so happy to spend the next hour with you. And Sage, welcome to Marketing Unfiltered. You have a play day, did you say? And it's the middle of the week? Yes. I'm obsessed with this. What what is that about? Like have you always had one or is like there did you have to design that after learning some hard lessons about yourself? (laughs) Um so I'm a little different than most folks in online business in the sense that for the eighth year in a row, I've taken four months off. Oh, and nice. on top of that, I've built in that Monday are optional inboxes 
inbox day. Like if I feel like it, I do it. And then um, Wednesday is play day. Like uh, I'm blessed that my husband, even though he's an essential worker, he gets Wednesdays. I negotiate Wednesdays at home because like if I need also doctor appointments for me, Mm -hmm. like I have two young kids, so I need someone to be here at the house with the kids. But then it worked out that this week it was a hike day. So yeah, it's good. Oh my gosh. That is so lovely. I'm so jealous of that. I mean, I'm jealous. That's not the right word because it's like, I I feel like that's just good advice. I should totally just think, how can I make that happen? Because why can't I make that happen? Right. But then it's also like, I so often, I have so many beliefs around taking time off. Like I'm one of those classic, like, can't everything, it has to be a struggle. (laughs) Just like I'll overcomplicate. Do you know what I'm saying? I just like have that built in. And I and I I have I have theorized that it has something to do with my um, upbringing because I grew up in Southeast Asia. Actually, I don't know how much you know about my my background, but I grew up in Asia, and the school system was. I've learned I didn't know this at the time, but I have le- I learned that the school system was like insanely. It's like a, a great deal harder in in terms of the schedule, right? Like we had like six hours of homework minimum a night. You know, mm. and and so it's like I would come home from school after an eight-hour day, have six hours of homework, two hours of sports. So I, it was like natural to go to bed at midnight or 1 a.m. So it's like it's just this learned thing, I think. My sister and I are both like this. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a struggle for me. So I'm really inspired by this. Yeah. I have a book for you, if I may recom- make a recommendation. Yes. Um, I don't know if you read The Patriarchy Stress Disorder by Dr. Valerie Ryan. No, uh, there's a particular line in there that you're queuing me up for in my mind is that they say um, they used to burn us at the torch or they used to burn us at the stake. Now they just hand us the torches. So, yeah, Damn. it's one Ooh, of those. I can feel that. I can yes. feel that. <laughs> I feel the burn. Yes. So it's a whole thing. And particularly, yeah. you know, culturally, yes, but also for women in particular, we're yeah, at the crosshairs exactly. of it all. <laughs> I know. I know. My husband does not. I mean, my my husband also, he's British. So I, the British culture is also so different from the American culture with work-life balance. Mm. But um, but my husband as a man definitely doesn't deal with this. Like he mm. as well as very – he can let things go. I just have to like I don't know. It's it's so interesting being married to someone like him because we are such opposites in this regard. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that's beautiful because I learn a lot from him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But yeah, it's definitely I I tell him this all the time. I'm like there like there's this is a woman thing as well. Like my mom was like this. Like I feel like every woman in my family is so similar to this. Mhm. Yeah, it gets passed genetically too. There's a whole like damn. Yes, there's a whole science to it that Dr. Valerie Ryan gets into, and it's it's intense, but it's also like um, I don't know. I I'm so grateful that even me just saying to someone that I take all this time off and I have play structured into my week and all that. I love when it instantly it instantly yep. clicks for people. They're like, oh right, what am I what am I doing? <laughs> Exactly. What am I doing? That's exactly what it did to me. So thank you for that. Funny enough, that's not what we're talking about today, even though I'm like right there, I think is like a life-changing, a life-changing tip. But we're actually talking about tripling email open rates. And I'm so excited about this conversation because I feel like, you know, and I, as, as you know, like I'm in the middle of, I'm like a couple weeks out from having my first summit and we're talking about like making money from all this free content that we're creating. We spend so much time creating free content, whether it's whether it's about your email list content, your social media content, your all this free content, right? And emails for me, I'm like if people aren't opening it and reading it, like for so many of us, we are literally putting so much effort into the content without thinking about how to actually get people to open the email. So I feel like this is such a uh, a needed conversation. And I, and I love what you've, I've heard you say about it, like on other platforms and like on social media and things like that. So I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to the marketing unfiltered podcast. 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation because there's a lot of like data that goes into showing that email can be a really strong marketing channel for people. And at the same time, uh, you know, it's something that so many shy away from. And I, I get yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we have this before we get into the juice of our conversation when we actually walk through some tips for people. Um, we have a section called spill the tea and it's an opportunity to just lift the lift the curtain and show a little bit of the behind the scenes of your business. So if you're up for it, I would love to take you through our five questions that we ask every guest. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you could go back in time and give newbie sage business owner some kind of a warning, like don't do this thing or do start this thing earlier or anything like that, is there something that comes to mind? Yeah. So a little context to my answer. Um, I've been a copywriter for 11 years. And in the last since 2019, let's just say, I have chosen to make my work more accessible to more people. And early on, though, in my career, like I was doing private client copywriting, mostly that was the majority of where my profits came from. And I made the mistake of launching a course too early before I had Mm -hmm. brand recognition, before people who knew who I was. I was just like, oh, and I saw a lot of my peers doing it because they were burning out on client work. And I totally was like, oh, I get that it can be rough, right? Like clients are not always the easiest to work with. Some are wonderful, right? There's both. And so I kind of follow that trend. And this is like the thing that should have gone off in my brain is like, I'm not a good trend follower, but I was like, oh, (laughs) like I'm always late on the curve. Like I'm good with that. I am a slower adapter and that's just who I am. But at the same time, I saw all my peers launching these courses. I was like, oh, it'll be so easy. It'll be great. And the truth is like, I launched my first course. I had two sales and one was affiliate. So I owed some money on it. And I realized, oh, I was like, okay, this part of my business, I tried something, it didn't work. But instead of like burning down the rest of my business and not working with private clients anymore, I kept it. I was like, this is my biggest profit sweet spot. I'm going to go back to this and it'll be fine. But I think some people, there's a bit of like shame between like when they try to pivot from serving clients to launching a course. And then they're like, I can't go back to private client work. Like I already said, I wasn't going to do that anymore. Like they'll tell their whole audience, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm only doing, you know, one to many offers. And I found for me that um, I found a really beautiful balance, even to this day where half of my business, I serve private clients and half of my business, I have like a copy template membership and ways, scaled ways to serve folks as well. Because again, I wanted my work to be more accessible But my initial intention was not to make my work more accessible. It's when I had a better intention around it that it actually took off, which is so interesting. Oh, I really like that. I really like that. And I can kind of relate to that as well. Like I got really burnt out on client work. And then I created a membership as well when I did not have, I hadn't been consistent in God knows how long. So I... I really wasn't, I didn't have brand recognition. I also didn't have an email list. Like I didn't have a big Mm -hmm. enough email list. I mean, for the goals I was trying to hit. Obviously, mm-hmm. si- size can vary like depending on like how you're nurtured and things like that. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying in my situation, I was I hadn't emailed my list in two years and I had v- rarely any people on it. And I was like, let's launch a course. Like it was just like bizarro, like how I thought this should work. But yeah, I agree. I, and then I also like went all in after a few years, went all in on the course. I didn't let go of private clients in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I was like, I'm going to make this work. And it's interesting. Now, after healing some burnout, I feel I'm bringing on private clients again. I realized the issue for me was like, it wasn't that I didn't like that work anymore. It wasn't that I was done with it. It was just that I needed a break from it. <laughs> I needed to find my voice again. I was like so mm-hmm. like clad with other people's voices because I was creating content for them. And then I, now that I feel like I found my voice again, I'm like, okay. I can bring on private clients again. So I just love hearing a little bit about your journey because I feel like you're so right. A lot of people would like just refuse to go back because they said one thing, but I love that like openness, just find your own way. (laughs) Yeah. Keep it fluid. There's no rules. And like when I started to really own that 
and realize like, this is my business. I can do it exactly how I want to, which yeah. is kind of the conversation we were having a moment ago before about like taking time off. But the point is here, like for me, I was like, I don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Everyone else yes. zigs, I zag. And that has been my business model ever since. Like whatever everyone else is doing, I tend to go the opposite direction and it works the best for me. So I think another important thing when you're considering what you want your business model to be is to get really clear on what your personal strengths are and to know, mm -hmm. like, do you ride the wave fast and that's what you like? I prefer to be in between the waves and go slow. <laughs> I love that. That's a very good message. That's awesome. Um, so what? this is an interesting question. We always ask our, our guests, what's your favorite way to grow your email list? And I love this question because we're talking about email today. Oh my gosh. I have like a whole in-depth launch debrief that I do with my community on how I grow my email list because it does evolve over time. And so since 2019, I've been tracking it like really closely to see. So in the beginning, just launching, growing my email list was coming just from my lead magnet, which is what the subject matter we're talking about today, which is triple email open rates. But we're going to go deep on that for y'all. Mm -hmm. And then the other way that I started to grow my list was going into Facebook groups that allowed promotion and sharing that lead magnet. That was the, yeah. and I would pay to be in some groups and I would go into free Facebook groups and it would be like one day a week, everybody could post and share their lead magnet. So that was working um, really strongly in the beginning. That's how I grew my, my list. And then uh, after my first launch of my copy template membership, I knew I had to look at diversifying my email list growth. So I started some ads, which I've always run ads on and off. So my business is 75% organic, 25% paid. So that's always been a piece of it. And then this multi-layered approach is really what works for me. So also speaking in front of other people's communities. Today is an example on podcasts, but also inside of other people's masterminds has been a big strength of mine. Um, yeah. I'm grateful to say like all those private clients you know, they also needed a copywriter to come teach in their community and or just peers that I know who run beautiful communities who allow me to come speak. Um, I do. I speak in other people's communities about once a month, I average. Um, and the podcast, I average uh, about two a month. So those pieces have continued to send traffic to my lead magnet. And then um I've also really started to get into, and this is only in the last three launches that I've done, I've started to get um, partnerships with other collaborators where we swap, we'll send emails to each other's lists about whatever we're promoting. Sometimes we just swap a single email. There's no affiliate piece involved. Like they don't always want to have that from you, which yeah. is great. And then, so I have a combination of that and I have a combination of full-on affiliate partners who were sending a series of emails for each other. We're both getting paid on the back end um, for promoting the other person's product. And I've really gone more deeply into that arena. Uh, the Facebook groups I've found have had a diminishing return over time because mm. the group changes, either the dynamic in the group changes where they're like, well, you actually can't promote yourself like that anymore. Now you have to do it this way. Or um, they don't continue the it's not a thriving audience. And so it's like you kind of hit the bottom of the barrel on how much you can grow your email list from a particular community. So that's been really interesting. Like I love watching these numbers as they've changed over my launches and taking this multi-layered approach has really worked for me. <laughs> A hundred percent. I honestly feel I, I talk a lot about this as well. And I have experimented slash do so many of these things, which I love pointing out because something I always talk to people about, I mean, I'm a broken record about this topic, but is like how like the importance of building relationships and how that leads to list growth, new clients, like all kinds of things. And so often we're so focused on just creating content without thinking about the relationship aspect of online business. And so many of these things that you mentioned, like the, the partnerships, obviously, the Facebook groups, the speaking in front of other communities, those are all like 
relationships are part of that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. cultivating them with your current clients who need guest experts, cultivating them with you and I, for example, like on social media. Now we have a relationship. So I just love that. I love seeing that in action and here, letting them also hear someone else doing that (laughs) so that they just don't think, oh, Sophia's just, (laughs) here she goes again, talking about those stupid relationships. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing it. And also, I'm curious to hear if you know off the top of your head, like what has been your most effective channel for growing your email list? Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking me that question. So I think it depends on the objective at that time, right? So if I'm like trying to grow an email list with the objective of like like signing clients quickly, speaking in front of masterminds and other mm. paid communities have been the mm. most effective. So yes, they're usually a smaller number of people, but they're like so perfectly targeted for me. And like yes. I said, they're in paid communities and they're kind of looking for someone like me, which is why the host of that community brought me in. So yeah. they're there kind of looking for that good, per- that like right, perfect fit person for them. Mm-hmm. I call the go-to coach, which is why my club is called the go-to coach club. And, um, and so I can come in, I, I have either talked to the host beforehand, if that's the type of scenario it is where I could give them an affiliate fee. But sometimes, like, like you said, sometimes that's not even what it's about for them. They're just trying to give content to their clients and then they reach out to me afterwards. But usually yeah. that if, if I'm looking for clients and hoping, and that's kind of, you know, where my head is at the moment, that's the strategy I will lean into a lot. When I started growth on my list, I was not growing quickly, but that I did that one to two times a month for like two years. And I mm. filled my roster and grew a waiting list of like 25 to 30 people only by doing that. So I had a highly, like, you know, a very qualified email list. And then I was also getting clients. So I think that that has been most effective for me. And then if it's not about getting clients quickly, but it's just about like building awareness and things like that. I've actually, I'm tapping into something new right now. I I think that this is going to sound almost like silly maybe, but like launching. Like I know like launching obviously is designed for getting clients because you're launching a product. But when I'm launching with affiliates, which I've only recently started like really leaning into, what I have Mm -hmm. found is so many people join my email list, not with the intention to buy yet. They just kind of want to like, come in because they're like excited about something I'm talking about. And then they hang out a little while, but it's like, it's like this injection of, yes, I've had this launch, so I've made some money, but I've also had this audience injection of people that aren't there to pull the trigger quite yet, but they're like excited about me because someone else also recommended that they be there. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I actually feel like between those two things, um, which both feel like client generating, but actually like that has been, that has always seen the biggest results for me. I love it. It's so exciting. And I will add one thing. So <clears throat> going into 2024, I am looking to do more keynotes for particular groups where um, I can also sell from the stage. Like that's, I have not yes. tapped into that. I've known that it's my strength. Um, I speak a lot. I was in New York and San Diego this last summer at three different speaking engagements, but I'm going into some new audiences. I'm really excited about that. So it's going to be fun. Ooh, that's fun. I love live speaking. I think that's a strength of mine too. And I haven't tapped into that at all as well. The earnings per lead, y'all, is good. Yeah. You cannot beat it. <laughs> I will tell you, I ran the numbers. You cannot beat it. So I'm Oh, excited. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I you've unlocked a new goal for me. Two new goals for me in 2024, getting on stage and having a Wednesday fun day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about my 2024. <laughs> it's so good. I love it for you. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, if you were challenged, and I kind of feel like we might have already kind of accidentally discussed this, but if you were challenged to have one client in the next five days, what would you do to convert that client? Okay. So on my private client side, uh, in five days, I can make that happen. That's the beauty of private client work for sure. Um, and in fact, on Monday, I just did this. So when we have potential projects coming in and let's say, I just want to give people a specific scenario. Like, let's say you've sent out a proposal and you're in that limbo phase where they're like, you sent it. They said yes, but the money ain't in Stripe yet. Um, (laughs) 
We do an update about my availability because right now I do have four proposals out and I'm like, listen, I got one spot for you either this week or that week. And I got four people saying they want it. So whoever says yes, I don't say it this way. I say it's an update about my availability. Here's when we can start the project. Otherwise, we're looking at November. So, and we're in October right now. So I just make it really clear to people like what's going on with my calendar. And that tends to do the trick. Whoever is meant to work with me, they tell me specifically when they want to start because they know that I have limited availability. And so it works in my favor, right? With the private client work, I can only take so many clients a month. Uh, There are times where I've scaled that and had other people fulfill on my private client work. I'm not in that space currently, but that's another thing I kind of go in between on as well, that I give myself permission to sometimes not be the one on camera serving the client. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I love, mm-hmm. I like that. And do you like, do you, re- when it's, when you're like, oh, okay, it would be nice to have like a new client or something like that. Is the first place you would go to your email list? Like just to send, um, you know, an email to everyone? Yeah, it's a combination. I ask my past clients who I know are happy with my work um, for referrals. That usually does really well. I definitely go to my email list, um, but I don't go to my email. I don't, I sparingly go to my email list throughout the year asking if they want to work with me privately because there has to be list growth in between that ask, Mm -hmm. right? It can't be every month. So I would say two to three times a year I go to my list. More so I leverage past client relationships to get the new client work. Um, That has really worked well for me, but also social. Like I wildly had an experience where I put up on my Instagram stories, you know, is anybody interested in a VIP day with me? And I said, I, I gave them options. Yes, I want to meet in person. Yes, I want to do it virtually with you. No, not right now, but maybe next year or something like that. And it was a poll, right? And you never know who's watching. Only I'll be mm. completely transparent. Only one person responded to that poll, but it was someone from Bling Empire, the Netflix show. So I was oh my like... God. <laughs> <laughs> Completely I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was wild, but you know, we'll see if that project pans out. But at the same time, like it was just to me, don't discount going on multiple platforms again. Like this is the theme for today is that multi-layered approach to marketing and let people, you know, raise their hand and say, yes, I do want that. Yes. I'm really hearing that from you. It's like, you're showing, you're giving people an opportunity to raise their hand. And then like, that's, that seems to be the habit for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you, when it's time for you, you're going to old, to these people that have already raised their hand, have already worked for you. And you're just going through these already built relationships, Mm -hmm. which makes is exactly how I would do it too. And Mm -hmm. I always ask this question to people because I feel like so often I will talk to someone in a coaching call or just inside the club or wherever it might be. And people are like, Oh, I just, I've tried everything and like, I can't get a client or whatever. Right. And I always find, I always ask the guests because I, there's always new, I think there's a lot more ways to try to quote unquote, try to get a client than people are aware of. And so I love Mm -hmm. asking this question to just hear what people say. And I love what you said about that poll, actually, like even the fact on that particular poll, one person replied, like the, the, the opportunity there was that someone had the opportunity to raise their hand. Mm-hmm. How freaking cool to see who it was, right? Yes. And then also, I love what you said about just go like going to clients that have already worked with you because I think that as well. There's such gold in the relationships that you already have, and people just like assume that's not an option for some reason. So I love, I love what you said. Yeah, don't go silent after the project, and it, you don't yeah. have to only. And it's interesting. Like, there's a thing that happens in your head where you're like. <clears throat> if I went silent, I can't only reappear to ask them for something for me. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So if they're happy with their results, they want to share that with you. There's a certain personality type that really wants to share that with people and you're giving them that, you're taking that away from them or giving them that opportunity by asking. And by not asking, you're taking that away from them and they enjoy doing that. Like keep that in your yeah. mind. And the other thing is like, yeah, you can keep in touch with people after a project as a human being and not ask for anything as well. But there is this weird, like once the project over silence happens, a lot of the time for people who serve private clients. And I think that that's unfortunate. We should think about that a little bit differently. Yes, 
I love that. What a good reminder. Okay, when you're feeling nervous or anxious about something, uh, particularly something in your business, is there something that you do to get out of your funk and get out of your way? Is there like a, a healthy habit that you have or something to just kind of like shake it off? Yeah, I mean, nervousness and anxiety is rough. If anybody's going through it, my heart goes out to you. It is also part of business. Like yeah. it will happen one way or another, it's going to find you. Um, so I have a regular practice. Uh, Wednesday play days really help me where I yesterday went on a six hour hike and, uh, just another thing, like if I have things I need to get done, I will go to the botanical garden and work. If I know that I need like that spaciousness in my life. Um, and then, you know, also, just regular, like, I try not to let things build up and have regular practices. I'm also a, a Muay Thai boxer. Um, oh, wow. So, yes, it's fun. It's intense. And not just nervousness and anxiety. If you had a little bit of rage to let out, because I think we all do after these <laughs> last few years. I don't know. I'm a mother of two. I got some, like, my husband was an essential worker. I had some things to let out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, having having hobbies outside of work, I think is what I'm trying to say, but I found a way to integrate them together. Um, so, for example, I'm going on a wellness retreat that I'm hosting this weekend in Palm Springs. Palm Springs is like a second home to me. So find your environments where you can change and like be that other person that you need to be. And, you know, not everybody can go rent an Airbnb, which I sometimes do locally just to do a launch. Um, but even if you, for example, I'll broadcast from my backyard on a, any given day. If I need to be outside, I'm blessed to live in California where that's more of an option. Yeah. But either way, like if it's a beautiful library that you love or whatever it is, find that space that can allow you to not feel so tense because it's often you feel like you're in a box with anxiety or nervousness. Like, And if you get out of that box, your feelings will environment is everything. So change your environment and I'm, I'm sure you'll feel better. Oh, I really, really like that. I really like that. And I have to say to your boxing point, I also used to box different kind of boxing. I just did your standard, like, let's get ready to rumble kind of boxing. Love but, it. um, <laughs> but I, I agree, like what an amazing workout for pent up energy, you know, like particularly mm -hmm. like frustration, anxiety, anger, Oh my God. I got into that when I also had some pent up stuff and just punching a bag just seemed so freaking good. <laughs> and it's it turned so into good. like a three-year obsession. I was obsessed with it. If I was still living in New York City, I would still be doing it. But in England, it's not quite the fad. In New mm -hmm. York, you could, couldn't turn a corner without saying it's some kind of a boxing gym. But here, it's not quite as much of the fad. So I've kind of lost it here. I, I would like to find it back. But I agree with you. It is such... It's such a good way to get it all out. I yeah, love that I'm really we share blessed. That. Totally. <clears throat> I'm really blessed too to live in LA because it's it's a cultural thing here, but also like I got the best gym in, in town. Like <laughs> I could go on and on about it, but I'll just say like uh, I love it. And when you find the right people to do it with, that is another yeah. key piece. Like when there's a community around it, for me, it's not about exercise only. It's about training one. Like I do love to train and it pushes you to that next level, right? Like in our business, we're already pushing ourselves. Um, but then like boxing gives you a different perspective on, yeah. on how you're pushing yourself. Yeah. Love that. All right, everyone, grab your boxing gloves or, wh or whatever <laughs> style you want <laughs> and go, go to, one. get to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Round one. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> So we are going to talk about tripling your e your email open rates. And I'm, like I said, really excited to talk about this, have this conversation. Oh, and congratulations. You completed Spill the Tea. Everyone's okay. <laughs> we got through it. The tea has been spilled. <laughs> um, okay. So tripling your email open rates. Can we start with, I mean, I just kind of want to like lay some like ground, like foundation for this conversation. Is there a goal email open rate that we're hitting for? Or how how do we answer that question? Because I feel like sometimes there is and then other and sometimes it's more like just try to do better than what you have been doing. So I'm just curious if like if someone were asking you that, how do you typically answer that? 
Yeah, I mean, industry average, last I checked, was 19% across all industries, Mm -hmm. right? So most people in the online marketing space are closer to 30% and above. Segmentation matters. You know, I can get upwards of 75% of an open rate. It depends on who's seeing it. Is it my whole list or not? Yeah. Traffic quality matters. Is it cold, warm, or hot traffic? Because that changes your open rate. Um, you know, early on in my business, when I was only doing organic and I wasn't running ads yet, my open rates were higher for sure. Um, so just know that whenever people throw numbers out there, they're maybe not giving you the whole story. And there's a lot of dynamics that go into that conversation. Yeah. And I am a big fan of trying to beat your own metrics. Keep in mind that like they're beating your own metrics is never a bad thing. Like it's, it's all good. Like to to try and see if you can get your numbers higher. And that's specifically what we're going to talk about is ways to do that. But I will say one thing that I think is an important point to make. Email open rates, even if you're at between 19 and 30%, it's still higher than your reach on social when Mm -hmm. you're not running paid traffic. That's usually between 1% and 2% of your audience will see it, depending on the post and how much engagement you get. So... Just keep that in mind. Like, I think that people leave that out of the conversation sometimes. Why email marketing is so strong is because people are more likely to engage with it. Yes. I think that's such a good and such an important point that people often miss. Um, and I'm going to, I want to get into more specifics about this as well, especially about like segmentation and things like that and, and your own habits around that. Um, but before we get there, like, just in case people aren't putting this together, Right. And I'm sure a lot of them are, but I'd love to go kind of be really specific with this. What are the reasons our open rate is so important? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. So, first of all, you're creating this beautifully crafted message. And of course, you want more people to see it. So, that's one reason. Like, you're putting the effort in, get as many people as you can to see what it is you're writing. Um, The other thing I would say is like, people don't realize that your email service provider gives you a score. So when you have a low open rate, you're more likely to go to promotion or spam. But when you have a higher open rate, your deliverability goes up. So on the technical side, that's important. Um, And, you know, you never, if you never, one thing we can get into is like, if you never scrub your list and remove unengaged subscribers from there, you're hurting your open rate, right? Like you could improve your open rate just by getting rid of the people who haven't opened your emails in the last 90 days. Yeah. Like if they're not opening anything in the last 90 days, you can remove them. Like they don't need to stay there. Um, So all of those things contribute to why you want a better open rate. Yes. That's such, I'm so happy you talked about the score because I think that's the thing that people like, they probably put it together. Like, well, if people aren't opening my emails or obviously not seeing my email, like they probably figured that part out. But yeah, on top of that, there's this whole analytics thing that mm-hmm. means that y- your pe- people aren't even aware that there is an email to be opened, which is a whole other form of heartbreak if it when it comes to online marketing. Yeah, <laughs> so totally. can we – I love that you just brought up scrubbing, and I was going to ask you about this later anyway, but you just brought it up. So let's just roll with the scrubbing for a second. What can you – like what, what do you mean by scrubbing and how often do you do that? Yeah. So I try to scrub my list at least twice a year. Some people have it automated where every 90 days, if someone hasn't opened emails in the last 90 days, they get an automated sequence of messages. But essentially, um, it's the way that I do it is it's three emails. And I'll share a swipe with everyone towards the end of this. But it's three emails that you write to your list and you say in the first email, essentially, like, hey, um, I am, I I recommend doing some kind of like easy survey in there where you kind of qualify what kind of person they are in your audience, where you ask them like, are you A, B, or C? Hit reply to this. And I tell people to tie a giveaway to it so that um, when, you know, everybody hits reply and you qualify what kind of person they are in your audience and what kind of lead essentially they are, even though these are lovely human beings on the other side of it, we call them leads in marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, you get them to qualify, you know, their interest in who you are and being on your email list. And then you say like, I'm going to choose one winner from the replies. So you get as many replies as possible and you do a giveaway for them. And so you see if people will respond to that. And 
you know, don't get discouraged if people don't really respond. I would say that just means you have work to do. Like you need to properly train your email list to engage with you. Um, But if they're not opening it at all, it's time to remove them. So that's your Mm -hmm. first email that you can send. And then your second and third email, it's essentially like, I'm still doing this giveaway. Are you interested? And the third email is like, okay, clearly you're not interested. I'm going to remove you from my list. So you just kind of let them know what's happening. And you do this twice a year, you said. Yeah, twice a year. Um, I keep my email list scrubbed. If I was really on it, I would do it more, but that works mm-hmm. for me. I really love this. Okay, can I can I tell you something that like you're gonna cringe and just maybe even totally start to dislike me when you hear this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Thanks for the warning. <laughs> I have never scrubbed my email list. <laughs> oh girl. Okay, I get know. my triple email open rates templates. Oh, oh, I'm already <laughs> there. I'm already. There. I have a very good open rate. Um, but like I, it's interesting. So you know, this, and this is why I don't think it's ever is in my brain because like my I have a like my open rate is about fifty percent. But amazing. So I'm I'm proud of that, and it also went up. It used to be nineteen percent, and I was able to bring it up to fifty percent. So I think in my brain, thank you, I am very proud of that. But it's like now I don't even think about scrubbing my list because I forget about it. But like I could have more. I could be even higher if I thought about scrubbing my list. <laughs> yeah, and let me give you one more. You know, I'll be the advocate for it here. Of course, is that you're paying for people to squat on your list? Essentially, like mm. if you're on a paid email platform, you know, then those people are literally sitting there, not opening anything, and you're paying for them to be there because whatever tier you're on with your email, they charge you based on how many people are on your list. So I know yeah. we love that big juicy number; it looks so good, but it's not doing you any good. It's costing you money. Ooh, okay, another very good point. Okay, I'm on it, Sage. I'm gonna send you a DM once I do it. You're gonna be so proud of me, and we'll like we'll be, be- even better friends than we are now. Because already I know you're you're silently judging me right now. <laughs> I really want to help you out, though. To be honest, like I yeah. I really want to help you out. Like there's no reason to pay for people who are not doing anything but sitting there. Yeah, that's all. No, that's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen, sister. Um, (laughs) All right. What what else can we do to up the open rate? Um, Better subject lines always help. Like get some basic training on good email subject lines. It's the part I see people miss on the most. Um, Start and like I, I could get into the argument about preview texts. Like I don't know if people know, but below your subject line, there's an option in your email service provider to write preview text, which is the the like sub headline of the subject line where in Gmail, for example, you'll see the subject line in bold. And then the preview text is kind of like a, a just regular font and it creates curiosity and all of those things. And it is, I mean, I personally think if you start your email with a strong open where you start in the action and you get them excited about the thing, you don't have to worry about the preview text because those first few words will be enticing if they're written properly. So either way, I'm not for or against using the preview text, but I am for having a really strong subject line, having a really strong intro to your email so that it catches their attention and makes them want to open. So that's important. So like, if you haven't had any training in email subject lines, like get some training. It's important. Yeah. And you know, this is, this is one of the things that I credit to increasing my open rate actually, but you know, something that I did, I'm curious if you have any more specific tips than what I'm about to share, but I, I actually started making my subject lines a little weirder instead. I used to be very like black and white, very much like, here's what you're going to find in this email. And then I started being like, like, how can I just make this like weird? Like sometimes I would like say it in emojis or I would like highlight this one like if I talked about Ted Lasso in it I'd be like I don't know like uh my crush Ted Lasso or something like that but it was like I tried to I I made them personality driven a little bit more mm-hmm. um is that is that just me tapping into my own personality and what works for me or is that an actual like tip for people <laughs> listen you have that awareness already so many people skip this part it's so funny 
people think that they want to, people think that everyone else wants to buy or make a decision to open an email the same way that they buy or make a decision to open email. But what you just said is so important. Is that just me or is everybody like that? So the answer is not everybody is like that, but there is a percentage of the population that thinks the way that you do. I'm not saying that you're like completely off base. I'm saying that there are four different types of decision makers that open an email. And this goes into um, something that I teach that's based on um, The Simpsons, actually. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> so I've taken these four characters from The Simpsons and I've realized, like, why has that show been on for decades, right? Like, it's a very popular show. It's still running, as far as I know, to this day. And so there's four characters in there that are very relatable because they make decisions the way that people relate to. And so I'll just briefly go over them in regards to subject lines. But the the character that you're referring to is the Homers. So the Homers are the fun-loving decision makers. They're like, oh, she sounds fun and funny. I want to open this email, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, they are just looking for fun-loving things, gifts, puns, emojis, music lyrics, like things that just oh like catch God. their attention, pop culture. Yes. You are yes. describing my emails right now. This is so weird. And I did not like plan that at all. <laughs> that's exactly so my email. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that's one personality type that would open your email. The Another one is um, the BARTs of the world. So the BARTs are the fast decision makers. They want clear, concise. The word quick in your subject line will catch their attention. So quick question. They will open that. Yeah. So like, oh, quick. My mind works quick. I will do this. Um, so those are the BARTs. They're the, the fast decision makers. Then we have Marges. They are the deep connection decision makers. They feel connected to your story. So if you um, say, you know what? An email that I sent was one week off in my business. And I talked about, you know, my personal, what I did for a week. I went to Palm Springs, had all these photos of my trip told a story about like how I've been able to take time off and what I, how I worked up to that and all of that. So they are like, Oh, use the word my, they're like, Oh, it's her story. I want to open this. Right. And so you can hit a crescendo with all four, by the way, like in a given month, you can target each one specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and then the fourth and final decision maker, when they're opening an email is the um, Lisa's. So they are the detail-oriented decision makers. They like data. So I sent out an email, like what I learned from being on 47 podcasts or something like that. I had like yeah. gathered up all the data numbers and told them all those details. Or I talk a lot about like one year in my business, early on in my business, I had 52 projects for 19 clients and I took four months off. When they saw that, the subject line, they're like, oh, look at all that data. I want to read this, yes. right? So what you need to do if you're thinking about appealing to these four decision makers is to determine who is in your audience, right? Like you mm -hmm. might have a sense for it already because I teach this system. I know who's in my audience because they'll hit reply yeah. and tell me which character they are. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, some people skew towards all reds because they're a trainer to... CEOs only, C-suite executives are the only people on their list. Those are reds. They are, bar or sorry, I should say barts. I also teach it by color, but they're the <laughs> barts of the world, those fast decision makers. Yep. So you got to kind of discern like who's in your audience and write specifically to them. Mm -hmm. And then maybe some of those characters are not in your audience. And then you would exclude writing in that particular style. So that's just a quick, you know, run through of the four characters and how to write your subject lines. Oh my God, that's so genius. And weirdly, I, like I, I didn't, I obviously wasn't thinking about it through The Simpsons, but I have noticed, like I'm very much, I love the fun stuff, mm -hmm. but I've also a lot about data and telling and storytelling. Like in terms of me personally, I gravitate to like all three, if I'm being honest, like it, depending on my mood. Exactly. But yeah. Would it would it make sense to write? I, it sounds like you just answered this question, but I just want to double check. I heard it right. Like, could you write to all of them? It just depends on like 
timing and when we're doing it. Would, would that make sense? Yeah. So in a launch campaign, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you're getting ready to make an offer, I would, that email that you write inviting them, to, let's say you're doing a free conversion event. Yeah. In that first email, I make it a point to be pretty direct in the very first email. And I try to hit a crescendo of all four in the body of the email because that's the highest opened email. And I know I have all four in my audience. So I make some strategic a strategic decision to appeal to all four in the body of that email. Cause I know it's yes. going to be the most opened email. So it's kind of like, and then throughout the, the entire launch series, I'll appeal to the different colors um, with a single email for the blues. And mm-hmm. they also like specific offers. So this gets pretty deep into it, but I'll just tell you one example. Um, so the margins of the world you start with a, a story using the word mine, your subject line, then you get deeper into your story in the email that then leads to your offer. And they, um, they like to buy one, bring a friend. Like they're the type who, if they buy something, they want all their friends to buy with them. So you would want to have some kind of offer like that, where it was like, okay, let's say I was selling a retreat. Um, if you buy the ticket to the retreat, you can bring a friend for half price or something like that that would appeal to them. So you want to craft your offer, your bonuses specific to the type of person that they are. Yeah. I freaking love this. I feel like I have thought somewhat about this by accident through the lens of friends characters. (laughs) I am friends obsessed. And I feel like as someone who went to acting school back in the day, I know we've always talked about like different archetypes and things like that. So I kind of think about a lot of my content through that lens. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so this so goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. So I'm obsessed with this tip. The Simpsons is a little clearer, actually. So I really like that you shared that. Um, I'm curious about what about the like we've talked about subject lines and also scrubbing, which both makes so much sense. Do you make any changes to the actual body of the email? Or I mean, I, I don't know if that would affect like my logic when I first started this. And I don't actually know if this is true anymore. But when I went back in the day, try was trying to increase from 19% to anything higher. I was just like, what can I do? Right. I worked on subject lines and then I also changed like my emails a little bit. Like I made them more of an event where I like had like every Tuesday there was like a tip, right? And I kind of made them in a habit so that people were like knew what to look for. I don't know if that helps me raise my open rates at all. That was just something that helped me be consistent. I'm curious if you in your research of this topic have also found that changing like the body of the email helps or does that not what you focus on with when working on this subject? Does that make sense? Yeah, to have a framework, right, to what you're sending Mm -hmm. each week. I mean, consistency is always good because people come to expect to hear from you and look forward, look forward to what you have to say. And then having a framework in the email does give them context and consistency as well. So the thing, though, that I am kind of careful about with this, like, I definitely think it helps if it's Mm -hmm. in your strength. But if it's not in your strength, you're going to feel like you're pushing up against something you don't want to do. And so you have to, I am very much like you have to lead from what feels good to you and then you'll actually do it versus like, for me, I rail against any system. I don't mm-hmm. do well with having to send an email on a specific day. I never have. Um, And I don't do well with having a framework in my email. I like to be very creative in the way that I craft them. So for me, and so for me, I don't do it. But at the same time, I get the value of doing it. But I have always been like, I need to create this business from a place of pleasure for me first. And maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like so centered on that. Um, and so I have not chosen to do that, but I know it works really well for other people. And if that is your strength and what you love to do, and it helps you, I do think some people work better when they have like a content pillar and they have like a framework for how they write, because then they know what to put in there. Like they need that system and that structure to write. So I think it is really smart for the right person. And for me, I just have not followed it. I love that. And I, I love this reminder again to like do it your way, like to just investigate mm-hmm. what your way is and then like lean into that. What does that look like? I just I just like that that's the focus of this conversation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really special. Now, in terms of segmenting, which you've talked about a couple of times, I am, and now, and then we're also being introduced to these different Sim- Simpson characters. Do you segment your list also according to Simpson character, or how do you segment your list? I'm curious about your habits around that. Yeah. So I have not segmented out personality types in my list. I know that I could. I prefer mm-hmm. not to. It's like, to me, they're gonna, not everybody's going to open everything and they kind of self-select themselves when they see yeah. the subject line. So I'm like good that. with that. Yeah. I know some people do go that deep on it and I love that for them. Again, too much structure for me. Um, but that being said with my segmentation, there's definitely some key things I do throughout a launch, uh, that only a portion of my email list will see it. It depends on if they click on the sales page towards the tail end, I'll send more emails to people who have clicked the sales page. Um, and then I'll do some highly personalized things with people who click the sales page and I recognize their name. So I had people, I hosted an open house around crafting marketing and filling VIP days because that's one of my group programs that I offer. And I saw people had clicked on the open house link to register. And I reached out to them on Instagram and I was like, hey, I saw that you are coming to my open house or at least you're thinking about coming. And I just want to know if you have any questions, like ask me now and I will respond to it on the open house. So building relationships early on as personalized as possible is really done well for my business. And then that part where I was saying like, you know, not everybody loves getting a ton of emails, but if I know they're interested in the sales page, I'm going to send them more, more emails towards the tail end. Oh my gosh. I love that you just shared that tip. I, this is something I talk about a lot because you know my whole thing is relationships. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm just so ex- like giddy over the fact that you also do that because I will sometimes give that advice to someone of like, oh, like look who clicked and then reach out to them and you, you just be available to, to, to be a service. It's not like you're mm-hmm. re- sliding to their DMs and like sending a pitch, right? You're just making don't. yourself available <laughs> because you care about them. Exactly. Don't do that. Just to be clear. <laughs> But every time I give that advice, people give me this expression on their face like, what? It's like invading their privacy. And in my head, I'm like, wait, no, it's literally like building relationships and showing up to give value. And so I just I'm so happy anyone who I if I've given you that advice and you've given me a look like now you can hear it from someone else. Like (laughs) the name of this game in whatever format, social media marketing, email marketing, like any of these things is really relationship. It is such a key part of all this. I assume you agree, Sage. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that reframe of like feeling like you're bugging somebody to actually being like, no, you're building a relationship with them. And they Honestly, they feel special when you reach out to them, right? They're like, oh, I didn't even know you were paying attention. Thank you. That's a privilege. I always get that. That's a privilege in your business to be able to do that. Because at some point, you may grow so big that that would be overwhelming and you couldn't do it all, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I freaking love this. Now, I have one... Last question. I think I got all my biggies out of the way. Um, but I just had a conversation with someone and I and I would just love – I have her in my mind right now as we're having this conversation. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on her. She's brand new to my community. She's with me and it, she's um, – I'm helping – well, she's inside of the club, our club. And so we had – she won a, a prize, I think it was, if I remember correctly. So we were on a – so she won a prize. So we were having like a free coaching call and we were just – and right at the beginning of the conversation, I was just – you know, we were kind of unfolding things that were causing her some anxiety. And so inside of that conversation, she shared with me that she has a 2% open rate on her email list. Okay. And – and I was like, okay, I mean, I was really more talking to her about social media, right, for this particular conversation. But I obviously had to like just dig into this a little bit because I was worried about that for her knowing how much she was, you know, relying on her email list to make sales. So I was like, okay, what, where the heck is this? Why is this so low, right? So it turns out she grew her email list through giveaways and Facebook ads. She has about like, 2000 something people on her list and I think 60 people are opening her emails. And I'm I'm just I, without her and right here in front of us. 
if we could give her advice in terms of where to start and what to look at and kind of how to kind of come up with a plan for herself, what do you think that should be? For me, the uh, obvious one, just based off of this conversation, is she should probably start scrubbing her list. Is that how? Is that where your your first thought goes as well? I mean, tee me up perfectly. Yes, <laughs> she should scrub her list. And if she happens to be listening, I have yeah. some templates for that that I will I share know. in a minute. <laughs> yes, not to mention I'm totally um, going to share share. I'm totally going to tell her about you, Sage. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So. Um, definitely scrub your list and uh, remove those unengaged subscribers and then talk to them about when you go to do that scrub, like what kind of offers they do want from you, which in the templates, I, I prompt you to, to ask them those questions. It's like, what do you want from me next? Like be very clear about asking that question and getting an answer directly from your audience rather than assuming, because often there's a lot of assumption that's happening that's slowing down the business growth because, and we talked about this earlier, A, like assuming people want to buy or make a decision like you do, B, assuming that people want a solution that you think they want without actually having a dialogue with them. So on top of doing that um, list scrub, I would get on a call with some of those people and they'll probably be so excited, right? And, And even offering a free session with a person, like they'll start to gather that really important marketing. We call it customer voice data um, in the marketing space where you get the exact words from them about what they want, what they're trying to solve, all of those things. You gather that, you get a, a document and you put their pains, their desires, all those things so that you have a very clear snapshot of what it is they want from you next. Mm. I love that advice. We talk about that a lot in the club too. Mess like message mining is what we call it. It's a pretty boring name. Ooh, I love but, that. Uh, oh, do you? Oh, good. I was feeling yeah. like, oh, I like her name better. <laughs> 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 but um, I freaking love that. Scrub the list. Amazing. I love the idea of inviting some of them onto a call or just having an actual conversation and asking the questions about what they want instead of just making assumptions. I think that's really, really important for people to hear. So I'm so glad that you said that. Um, So we have learned so freaking much today. I cannot thank you enough for this deep dive. We've talked about, my gosh, the different Simpson characters and what that means for your subject lines and how you're speaking to your people. We talked about scrubbing your list. I freaking love the strategy of the three emails and like the purpose Mm -hmm. of each one. Uh, We talked about segmenting. We talked about, we gave actual advice to someone, which I actually think many of you are probably thinking, oh shit, I don't have a that my engagement rate looks a little bit different, but I know I need to improve it. And like that tip is for you as well. So you have just been such a wealth of knowledge today. Thank you so much, Sage, for being here with us. And I know that you've referenced a couple of times something that could really help people with their open rates. Can you talk a little bit more about your gift today? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, by the way, for having me, Sophia. You're such a gracious host. And uh, I would love for people to go to sagepolaris.com slash Sophia rocks because she does. <laughs> <laughs> and you can grab the triple email open rates. If you've ghosted your list, like you haven't written to them in a while, it happens to the best of us. There are times when I've had to ghost my list. Um, so this will set you up to know exactly what to say to reappear in their inbox. But if you've had a list for a while, which we went into way more in depth, like you can totally use these three emails to copy, paste and personalize them, send them to your list and it'll be clear who you should remove at the end of all of it. So I'd love for people to grab that and start using it in their business and watch their open rates go up or just feel like, uh, you know, it when you reappear in someone's inbox, like if you've had to go like, there, I definitely don't recommend be like, sorry, I've been gone. Instead, like yeah. use these, you'll know what to say. It'll feel good because you'll show up giving value from the beginning. So I'm really excited for people to start putting that into play in their business and showing back up and making some sales. Amazing. And I've also dropped that link inside of the show notes. I'm a freaking obsessed with that URL. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sage. Where can we follow you and just stay in front of you? Oh, 
thank you. Yeah. I mean, the best thing is to get on my list by using that lead magnet um, because I'm very active and I love for people to learn just from looking at my emails. Um, and then also I play on Instagram. Sophia and I connected over there. I'm at Sage Polaris and I'm on Facebook as Sage Polaris as well. So um, Instagram's the best place though. Like if you want to chat after this podcast, I'm happy to talk. Just DM me. Love it. I love it. Everyone go DM her and make sure you grab her incredible gift for you today. And hey, Sage, thank you so much. I so had I had so much fun. It is my pleasure, Sophia. Thank you for having me. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions, like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.